Hey, Wendy. Hey, Lana. So I know how you always are telling stories about when you tell your coworkers and friends about my podcast. The other day I was uh, going to a meeting and the guy who was running the meeting recognized me through my husband because he had just gone to 645 and 645 is where we did um, was the one stop on our world tour. Yep. Hashtag best stop ever. Hashtag Lafayette <laughs> India. And he was like, I was on it too. And he's like, oh, so what What did you talk about? And so I was like, oh yeah, I talked about my romance themed podcast. <laughs> and then there's like, a, oh cool. Like what types of things do you read? And I was like, this month we're reading a seasonal book <laughs> called Scrooge McFuck. Oh, it's always awkward to say and that book title. It's just, it's just, it's really, it's really, like, it's like, and then I explain, it's like Scrooge McDuck, and he's like, yeah, I got it. Um, And then he's like, what else are you reading? I'm like, well, the week before, I read Stud in the Stacks. And then there's kind of like, everyone at the table kind of turned to me like, what? Like, why has that ne- this never come up? I don't know. Like, it was like real awkward from my hobbies. I was at a party and I made everyone silent by saying, Scrooge McFuck. <laughs> I already kind of like turned. I know when you add like some of the titles we read, like Scrooge McFuck, Tender Wings of My Desire. His, his precious, precious cargo. cargo. <laughs> <laughs> the fact we read a honey badger shapeshifter. Love that book. <laughs> what was that? Hot and badgered? Yeah. Oh, yeah, hot and badgered. That was so great. Vienna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is season three, episode one of our romance oh novel God. focused podcast. My name is Alana. I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are discussing Scrooge McFuck by May Sage, and we have a very special guest, my husband, Matthew. Hello. Oh, welcome to the podcast for the second Thank time. Thank you. Thank you. These novels are a really great counterpoint to the normally very serious literature that I read. So. Yeah. Like Matt literally read, reads like, like what did you read? You read like Dostoevsky and stuff. Oh, wow. That sounds fun. <laughs> Let me guess. It's a happily ever after story about a duke and a barmaid. It's about the endurance of the human spirit. Matt reads a lot of books <sighs> about the endurance of the human spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Lame. What are you drinking, Wendy? I'm drinking uh, Lost 40 IPA, the Rockhound IPA, local beer, Mm, local brew. Fancy. Yeah. Are you an IPA person, Wendy? I am, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think you're like the first person I've met that's ever actually liked IPAs, unironically. Um, I made a drink um, Mm -hmm. that that I I call No Flu Kidnappings. Uh, based on this book because she gets kidnapped Uh, well she doesn't get kidnapped she gets really sick and the love interest comes to her house and takes care of her kid without her consent and then takes her back to his house you know and she wakes up in this big bed not knowing where she is so actually this is based on a different drink which has a great romance novel named half mast yeah which is a great name but i replaced oh my god we should do that for some kind of seafaring yes. story i mean your your rum your your options with rum are like everywhere but this is a, a half mast is 2.5 ounces of tequila an ounce of triple sec six ounces sweet and sour mixer and then usually it's over cranberry juice but this time i replaced it with a uh, raspberry uh emergency uh, in water <laughs> 
Because I'm I, sure I don't that if... tastes a lot better than you think it does. <laughs> it does. If you... I can testify, this is a pretty good drink. Yeah. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, cheers. Little clink into the And here. you're protecting yourself from colds, maybe. Because <laughs> the alcohol this... kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The... yeah I mean, <laughs> I actually, I think I have talked about you before, where I have wanted to make drinks with emergency and there's like many Facebook posts out there and websites about like how to how to make drinks with emer- with like emergency. <laughs> but no Facebook posts about why to make drinks with <laughs> <laughs> Um because you have a book that you need to match with your theme of your con- <laughs> cocktail. Um I would like you to know, Alana, that I didn't even really think about the fact that he just kidnapped her (laughs) until I read the title of your cocktail. (laughs) And I went, oh, yeah. Whoops. (laughs) So you can tell that right off the bat, we're having a difference of opinions here. I can tell. I think there should be a name on this podcast for like when something really like patriarchal or misogynistic happens and we're both like, eh. (laughs) 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 Oh, misogyny. It's great. Oh, misogyny. It's so much fun. So speaking of misogyny, (laughs) Valentine's Day was this last week. Uh... Wendy... How was your Valentine's Day? This is this is my rant. Okay. This is my rant. <laughs> Valentine's Day, and this has been an issue for me for a while. Valentine's Day is fucking stupid. Because, okay, it is like I don't I don't want to hear that shit of it's about loving your friends and your family and everyone. No, it's about romantic love. Like you walk like I walked through Target today and I saw like, you know, like love you to the moon and back and Mr. and Mrs. and hearts and kisses and you know, all that all that weird dating bullshit has to do with romantic love. Heteronormative guy and girl romantic love. And you're just trying to make me feel better if you tell me it's about family and friends. And I don't appreciate it. (laughs) Because I, myself, am single. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. (laughs) It probably has come up. But (laughs) um, I, I, I just don't understand why it has to be the way it is. Because also, like, the other thing is that um, Valentine's Day is so, like, commercialized, you know, like, big deal. Every, every holiday these days is commercialized, but, like, what kind of relationships is, is this actually good for? Because you have those relationships that aren't good right now, and so they are just, like, making some weird overture that doesn't mean anything. You have relationships that are so good that you you're kind of like, why do I have to buy you this gift when I love you every day? You know, then there's people who are single, then there's people who are dating. And it's like a weird extra pressure. You know, I will say that typically me and Matt like, like to go out to dinner on Valentine's Day. And I would say in general, like a heteronormative couple that we are. And, um, and I always feel like the vibe in the room when you go out on Valentine's Day, there's a lot of nervous energy. It is nervous. Like, it feels like people, it's too much pressure for a lot of people. It's performance-based. Yeah, it's entirely performance-based. It's like, it's like flash mob engagements 
no, I don't, I don't want that kind of attention for, yeah, yeah, you know, like, giant uh, public proposals, uh, man, uh, that would make me so stressed out. And it's, (sighs) it's like a whole day for everyone to feel that no matter what relationship status you have, or if you even want a relationship, you know, like, I was like, you know, I'm alone right now, but I'm also not dating anyone abusive. I'm not you know, in a one-sided relationship. I'm not dating someone because I just felt the need to date someone. I'm not. Yeah, I I think it's like, (laughs) like, it's like I could be in a, like, bad relationship or I could be, like, like, not in those relationships. So, like, you should get, like, a plus 10 points for that. Yeah. Like, like, like that you're... and in that, like, on Valentine's Day, like, puts you at zero in that performative thing that happens on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing great at my job. I'm, like, volunteering. I'm fostering. Like, I'm doing a lot of good things. And for some reason, it's like I'm in the deficit on this day. And also, you motherfuckers, don't tell me that Valentine's Day is some sort of make something to make me feel better. Because that also has been appropriated and commercialized and and then it's like a poor substitute yeah and i would say like galentine's day feels at this point in its maturation like a little bit of a cult activity like if you don't go to any galentine's day activity it's like past the heyday it's like it's like it's like you're like you're like snubbing your friends Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I got, like I went to a Valentine's Day, like Valentine's Day thing on the thirteenth, and there's a lot of nervous energy in that activity as well. Mm-hmm. Like, are you the friends I should be Galentining with? Yeah, because yeah. also, like, it's like, <laughs> first of all, Valentine's Day was popularized by Parks and Rec Leslie Leslie Snow making a binder, a laminated like multi page binder about how awesome her friends are that's awesome (laughs) i don't ever get in a fucking binder you know what i do end up doing i end up drinking with my friends and other friends of friends that i don't really like I mean, you know? Wendy, to, to be fair, to your friends in your life, Wendy, I mean, they are not Leslie Nope, and, and that was a, a ridiculous situation. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't expect people to write me a binder full of things that I, It would be awesome. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I would enjoy okay. it if it was executed. <laughs> Listen, but... that's, that's, that's out to you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. You heard it, yeah. I expect I expect at least twenty binders, binders full of women. You know, they should make like happen. And then like the last Valentine's Day that I went to, it was like my friends, and then also a couple people that I don't like. And then like we nervously hung out together because we knew we didn't like each other. And then we would just say Valentine's Day. Anytime something went something went tense, (laughs) and then we got drunk, and then we didn't like we had an activity which was to make Valentine's Day cards, and we didn't do it because we were too drunk. Oh, that's so sounds like a nice evening. I like I like the form of Valentine's Day that was like when you when you celebrated Valentine's Day in your classroom, and you had to give everyone a Valentine like equally. In a whole group of people. I I don't know. That's another thing. Is that like I was like 
writing those things, even at a young age, going, why am I doing this? What is this for? Why do I need to write? Why do I need to write to the, you know, the 29th person in my kindergarten classroom that I like them, which I don't. They're I'm dick. with you, Wendy. In that, in that experience, I'm like, everyone just wants the candy. Nobody wants the cards. Yeah. It's just, you know, like, everyone just, dig out your bag of Halloween this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's cut out the middleman here. Yeah. I'll just bring a bag of candy. That's what all you want holidays? me for. Wendy, what other holidays would you make if you were going to make a holiday? <laughs> I I would I would make a holiday of like good for you for being single when it's the right time to be single. And you know what? That's right. Fuck all you guys in weird relationships. Yeah, I'm not going to deal with that. <laughs> Cuz you know, like the weird thing about Valentine's Day is it, it is catered to one specific group of people, you know? Yeah, so yeah. if we're gonna make a if we're gonna make a Valentine's Day, we might as well make a single day. I mean President's Day is just for presidents too. Columbus Day is just for white Anglo Saxons. <laughs> I mean uh, That's true. May Day, who knows the fuck is that's for? <laughs> <laughs> it's the God uh, for children. Veterans Day, um well, that's really so we can all celebrate veterans, so that doesn't really count. Halloween's just for ghosts and spooky cats. <laughs> <laughs> and candy. Don't forget candy. candy. I mean, what are, what are these things really for? Because then you can just, you can go down the holidays and it's like, one's for candy, one's for having a day off work, one's for candy, one's for eating a lot of turkey. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. that's all we care about. Alana had a really good idea for a holiday to celebrate bagels. I just yeah. want I want a holiday where we just eat bagels, possibly warm bagels, possibly everything bagels. And if you oh. have cream cheese or if you don't. I, I got it. I got it. We'll have a your everything you need holiday. Bagels. <laughs> <laughs> and then you eat some evergreen bagels and drink some co- some coffee because you're hella woke that cause... is that is the cutest thing i've ever heard you have an adherent for your holiday i, I am so excited for the you're everything you need pickle holiday <laughs> this is what we need this is, this is, what this we is the need. revolution warm bagels but like probably one because you probably shouldn't eat a whole lot of bagels <laughs> just one bagel <laughs> knowing knowing the US response to holidays it would be like you have to eat 40 bagels I mean what if they're bagel bites how many of those can I have your, your bagel holiday <laughs> what's the what's the bagel conversion ratio are bagel bites aren't bagel bites like pizza they have pizza on top of them yeah they have dessert bagel bites too you know like you can put whatever you want on <laughs> dessert <a bagel> <laughs> I'm not well versed in the anytizer. Uh, yeah, holiday, well, Valentine's Day is stupid, but you know, you guys go have dinner or whatever. It's fine. I'll just no, be over cool. here bitter. It's on fine. Valentine's Day this year, earlier that day, I took my students on a tour of the sewage treatment facility in town. Fantastic. Um, for what? For what? The, one of them called the shittiest Valentine's Day ever. <laughs> we could have an everybody poos day. Yeah. Everyone poos. So it's anyway, true. the point of the story is all through dinner, I was excitedly telling Matt about raw sewage <laughs> at this fancy restaurant in town. <laughs> That's great. I learned a lot. <laughs> was it the shittiest Valentine's Day for you as well? Oh, no, it was lovely. <laughs> That's great. How about this book, guys? 
All right, let's move on to the book. So, uh, first of all, we chose this book based on its title. Obviously. And um, I, I don't know, this book wasn't very long, and no. nothing really happened in it. The biggest thing that happened was the was the kidnapping, which wasn't, yep. I guess, a kidnapping, but basically the main character. So it's a boss romance where the boss is really mean, and then then she gets she quits, and then she gets really. Sick, and then and then uh, he goes and he rescues her. Um, I didn't really have a strong feeling about this book. It was kind of boring. I thought for sure with the opener where you know like you have this mean boss that it was gonna go total Devil Wears Prada, and that we were gonna learn that there were like deeper meanings behind like the way that he acted. And, oh yeah, you know, we did that, not have time for that. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> I yeah uh, the the thing that bothered me about this book was can can this character actually redeem himself from the moment where he's having sex loudly behind her and she can hear every word like I mean how desperate are you for a job that you don't report that as sexual harassment I mean like that's a that's a seven figure lawsuit waiting to happen and then she wouldn't need to work yeah also it's gross yeah the way that started like that was. I don't know. This this has a similar thing in which I think is really hard in boss romance novels in that like in that he doesn't really redeem himself at all in the story. And this book has the same thing in which he just has a lot of money and he spends it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that that is replacing like actual character. But he also um, has like protective feelings to her. Yes. Yeah. He, he has went. Protective. He, he went from fucking a girl in in a in a business office to daddy material in a hot second he went from fucking a girl in an office to fucking a girl at the north pole oh yeah he did do that too geographic change (laughs) change. um Um, also like the 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 competitor love interest i don't know i did not think that she was like i hate it when they make these combative relationships with other women like I didn't like that part of the story. But she does have that other woman that she's friends with who is also a strong female character that is not combative with her. Lucy? Yeah, Lucy or something. Who also wasn't there for her when she needed her child to be picked up. Yeah, that was kind of messed up. Not a very strong social network. (laughs) Yeah, really. What'd you think? What'd you think, I liked it. those kind of stories um i recognize that yes he went from bad guy to good guy super fast didn't have any reason to make that emotional change he basically was like he had less motivation than the grinch though we also have to agree that the mvp of the story is his mom who is hilarious throughout the story how much (laughs) she plays him she plays him (laughs) so i mean I, I'm with you, Wendy, like the, the, the whiplash of like how fast he undoes, you know, 20 plus years of misogynistic programming as, Mm -hmm. you know, this Wall Street bad boy. Now it would make sense to me if there had been some sort of um, plot line in which he is shown a vision of his future in which he is miserable and alone and thus you know, has an emotional Which would catharsis. be seasonally appropriate. Uh, yeah, it makes sense with, no. you know. Perhaps, perhaps if he saw his 
past, present, and, and future. Is that what you're saying? That's kind of what I also expected. when you call a book <laughs> Scrooge, you're supposed to do that, right? Like that's required. Yeah. If you're gonna call someone Scrooge McFuck, I was waiting up until about ninety percent of the way through the novel for that to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> but, but keep no. But keep telling us what did you like about the book, Wendy? Well, I I mean, I I just like when I like nursing back to health stories. I like that he was a cute guardian father thing, even though it was very suspect and I was extremely worried for her. <laughs> and um and then he had like, you know, vague protective squishy feelings towards her, and I love that. Even though you know, you see this a lot in romance novels where, like, the guy gets jealous of other people and then that's the beginning of him realizing that he has an attachment for her and that's the beginning of when you start to like him more and he becomes a better character. And really, it's one of those things where it's completely separate in my head, real life from fantasy, where he has these protective feelings towards her. And in a book, I'm like, oh, and then then in real life, I'm like, you have a problem. (laughs) Maybe you should go to counseling. You have some toxic masculinity. Well, I think in real life, it's very difficult to identify the behaviors as being uh, originating from a feeling of jealousy, right? Like, you know, it just looks like weird frustration or irritation. Um, some things that I highlighted in this book, there's some, uh, some anti, like, first of all, if a lady wants to be enhanced, I say just let the lazy be enhanced. And there's a part earlier in the book in which he's describing her And then he says, there's no way a girl as slim as her could naturally have been blessed with assets like that. They were store-bought. He would bet a million on it without hesitation. And I was like, so what if she got enhanced? Like, we don't necessarily, like, he does it in this sort of, like, misogynistic way that was, like, really annoying to me in which, like, there's, like, there's this, this, this trope within our own society where women become enhanced through plastic surgery to please men, and then men hate them for enhancing to please yeah. them. Um, which I That's thought bullshit. was, like, And women hate them. And women hate them, too, um, for, for being, you know, because I think they, they view them as, like, a sort of, um on like a undesirable competition because they've done this but mm-hmm. but anyway so that was kind of gross i thought yeah. to like assume that someone had plastic surgery and therefore because they had had plastic surgery they were sometime un- somehow unlovable did he say that about the main girl or about his girlfriend he was talking about the main Piper, girl yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. About- but she was just curvy <laughs> she was just- which is something that happens only in romance novels right <laughs> Yeah. I was like, ooh, she's curvy. How fun. (laughs) Also, like, I mean, you have a good point that the slut shaming happens. And have you noticed that, like, when there's, like, a female combatant, you know, like, vying for his attention, there is just as much, like, slut shaming as well. Like, it kind of goes together. It goes hand in hand. Yeah, like, I think, because they also, so they slut shame the, the main... Um, antagonist in the story. Jennifer? Jennifer. For... Why am I the only one who remembers these characters' names? They're just... I don't know. Because you read fancy books. 
because you're because you're the sort of person that retains information from books I, that they read. I read this okay. in like an hour or something. <laughs> yeah. One sitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with Jennifer, I felt like so her main problem was that she was sleeping around, particularly ambitious sleeping, where she was sleeping with the editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the way that the book shamed her, not just for sleeping around. But for specifically for ambitious sleeping, which is clearly what she was doing with the main love interest, right? Mm-hmm. Who was also a very rich man. Um, and he saw himself as sleeping with her specifically because she was a social climber and he wanted someone who had been kind of like brought up by their bootstraps, etc. But anyway, it had a weird dichotomy of, of shaming her for the same behavior that probably attracted her to him in the first place, right? Yeah. It was and- totally a frog on a scorpion thing. Yeah. What? The frog and the scorpion. The scorpion wants to uh, cross the river, but he can't do so. And so he uh, sees a frog, and the frog offers to take him across. And um, when they're halfway across, the scorpion stings the frog, and they both end up drowning. And the frog is like, why? And the scorpion says, like, I'm a scorpion. This is what I do. (laughs) I think I've heard that, but with, like, different animals. Yeah, there's probably other versions of it. It's kind of a messed up story. Yeah. It is. You know, I kind of liked their story uh, of his girlfriend because dating someone for ulterior motives is something that you see a lot in the real world and Mm -hmm. not as much in romance or not not handled very well in romance, you know, Mm -hmm. like, for instance, like being with someone just because you don't want to be alone. Like, you know, his his whole thing was that he wanted to be with someone without actually being with someone. And he thought that they were very comfortable and not necessarily together. And I thought that was pretty interesting and um, gave an interesting like vibe to his character and then of course she was fucking someone else so we didn't have to deal with that anymore (laughs) it was a very clean way to get him out of that relationship yeah i agree without him really dealing with the fact that he was just using her yeah um but yeah it made it quicker i guess as opposed to him realize as opposed to him just dumping her without any real reason right before christmas Well, she was, I mean, she, she was also like, she wanted him to dump her. Isn't that the vibe? Like, yeah, it's a self-sabotage thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's kind of the lingering story of the, like, of the guy that, the girl that dumped him. Oh. Miriam. Miriam. Yeah. Who wasn't really that important in the story. I thought that he was going to spend a lot longer sort of moping, you know, like, ah, this is what I could have had. Like, that was, like, the past thing in the whole, like, Scrooge story. hmm <laughs> Oh, Matt. Matt really wanted this to, to fit its theme. He's like, just fit the theme. I'm sorry, Matt. You should have known. You know that there was no, there was no, um, there was no mention of chicken in the Tender Desire book. For for any listeners who haven't listened or read that that novel, Tender Wings of Desire, there is no mention of chicken or fried chicken or fast food anywhere in that novel. There's not a single pun, which is the biggest travesty. The closest you come is is hearing that uh, Colonel Sanders has a um, a restaurant empire back in the states. 
And that's all you get. Yeah. That's all you get. That's so, so dumb. So you're right. I should, I should have accustomed myself to disappointment by now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was not, I was not disappointed in this book. Like, I kind of knew what I was getting into. The other part of this book I had highlighted was when, um, when the main care, the main love interest is, uh, basically at the mall and he stops to look at rings. And... <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's so, he's so borderline creepy. He's, he's very confident, right? Like this lady is basically, isn't she like, she just finished being unconscious and now she's in Alaska. And the guy is already signing, you know, Miss, Mr. Piper, like in his diary. <laughs> like he's so creepy. And I love the part where the guy's like, this is classic, the man informed him, pointing at the heart-shaped diamond ring. Heart-shaped. Heart-shaped. That he just couldn't stop looking at. I'm like, there ain't nothing classic about that. That is the trashiest ring I can imagine. Was this book written by a man? (laughs) Heart-shaped diamond ring. I feel very confident this book was written by a man for reasons we can get to later. But, no, this this is very... No, I want to know it. Do you? I, yeah, okay, tell okay. us. I'm you, interested. You are both women. Yes. Mm. Would Would you say that you are in any way, shape, or form interested in having your lady parts referred to as a keyhole? <laughs> <laughs> is that Is that how you think about it? Talk about it amongst yourselves in the locker room. Yeah, just, <laughs> just locker room talk. Just no, no, the, the old, the old, the old keyhole. The keyhole. nomenclature aside, I mean, like you've got this whole thing where he's like making a big deal about like how tight she is. Women don't care about how tight they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a thing in which I was like, oh, doesn't he like insinuate like that it makes her feel like a virgin? Wasn't there something like that? Yeah, it's, it's written it from the total great. perspective of male pleasure. I, I totally feel like this was written by a man. You know, I was not surprised by that part either. <laughs> but, okay, so also like this thing happens a lot though in romances. This whole like not a virgin but actually a virgin type of thing. When it yeah, comes to contemporary, it. it's like, I'm not a virgin, but I, it was just like screwing around with other people a long time ago once. That was weird. I I just feel like they spend a lot of time like building Piper up to be, you know, like this ideal, you know, she's smart and funny and sassy, but she's also got like this ideal body that's in perfect sexual condition. It just, you yeah. know, it feels very male centric for a romance novel. Yeah, maybe he's not doing it right. <laughs> well and also the sex in this book in some ways it didn't feel like a romance novel because this the sex i mean it starts with people having sex but we really don't get a lot of detail on that no there was much less fucking in this book considering that the word fuck is in the title i I that was the one thing that i was disappointed in from my perspective because the word fuck is in the title and they have like the title at the top of every page it's like every page has fucking on it so i mean like (laughs) that is such a cop-out i would be extremely angry at a romance novelist if that was the reasoning (laughs) 
Yeah. The sex and the sex they had was like pretty vanilla sex. Yeah, it was pretty correctly. boring for a book called Scrooge McFuck. But he's got a he's got a tattoo sleeve. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> well, okay. So did you see like Batman Begins, where like Bruce Wayne spends a couple of years like fighting poor people in Mongolia and China? Uh-huh. Like I, he Bennett clearly went through a similar phase. <laughs> You know, Wild. trying to find himself. <laughs> and one of them was a sleep tattoo. Yeah. Anybody with money can get a sleep tattoo. Good job, Are you. Are into sleep tattoos? Because she seemed pretty into it. I feel like I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't say that women are into sleep tattoos, but we just read Stud in the Stacks. And if you look at the cover... There is a, the guy has a, has a tattoo. Why like is a little, it? An arm tattoo. On a side note, why is it? From um, covers with lots of, with guys with ink. Why is it that their tattoos are always the most generic, like, lame-looking tattoos ever? I think it's because um, romance cover art is made in very large batches, and then it's kind of bought like stock photography. Oh, yeah. So just, oh, yeah. They're I trying know. to be generic so that it'll fit. I know how, I know how they do it. They, um, they take a, they take a photo of the guy um and then they put like a they put a skin on him like they put tat you know photoshop it's photoshopped on like none of those guys and none of those guys in any of those um cover photos have actual tattoos they're they're all like completely clean and then they like made the tattoos airbrush Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah it's basically but i guess it's like they bought like a like a pack of tattoos that they use on every one of them. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, have you guys been to a website that sells stock pho- photography for romance novels? Because I have, and it is hilarious. That sounds amazing. Can you please link to that? I'll I'll yes. try. Dare Dare I ask why you were on that website, Wendy? Um, is this for I a think... nano novel? <laughs> Oh my god, if only. Um, I think the reason was because um, I saw something on Twitter where the guy... Oh, this one of these guys is a model and he actually like writes reviews of romance novels of the covers he's been on. But Oh, cool. Yeah. But it actually wasn't that straightforward. Because, you know, like a lot of... A lot of models like never really know where their photos go. But yeah, so I looked at, I was like, I will find you. <laughs> and then I spent a lot of time on the internet and then I found this place where it was a stock photos and it was great. Lots of dudes in like hilariously sad looking costumes. Cause you know, like the things that they do to romance novel covers, like they're so touched up that when you get to the, the bare bones of the photo, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> a dude wearing a Robin Hood costume that he bought from like Spirit Halloween, you know. <laughs> but anyway, also I just noticed it in the whole sex scene is only written from Ben's point of view. What? Which probably which means that Matt really does have a point. Well, and, and yes, it just it was a really short sexual encounter because who knows when the last time he had sex was. And she just happens to come right before he comes. And I'm just like, the whole thing. That is like, I will say that a trope in romance novels is women who who come like it's a freaking sneeze, like just all oh, yeah. the time. 
all the time. I mean, what kind of Everywhere. standard is that setting for the, the reader, you know? Like... And they come, like, at least ten times a page, basically. And in, in Regency, it's like they come, like, just being touched because they've never been touched before. It's like a big surprise. <sighs> I think it would have been better from my perspective as a reader if he would have come in his pants you know, during the foreplay <laughs> and then they would have had to recover from that. It would have... Like, it would have been cute, like, how much he likes her, right? Yeah, that's cute. Uh, yeah. That's what ladies like. <laughs> I'm sure I haters. <laughs> but that's, like, a thing. That's the thing that happens in romance novels, too, where they feel like they're almost going to come in their pants because they're so aroused. Oh, they always say that. But they never do. In they romance, do. in Regency, they say, I'm like a callow youth or a green boy. I, you know, like... There were some huge gaps as far as character development went with this book. But at the same time, I also, like, didn't expect any, like, (laughs) cohesive. Scrooge Reeks Fuck, which we chose even though it was second in the series because the title, I think I found it on the internet and I sent it to Wendy and I was like, we have to read this for romance (laughs) now. No matter what month of the year it is, <laughs> it's a Christmas story. But you know, we can we can read it whenever. I mean, for Valentine's Day, it's it's pretty much a wild card. Anything you read is gonna work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. So my sister and my mom both read anthologies. They they like the anthologies better than like a full book. And when I've talked to Katie about it, she's just like, I just want like the, you know, they'd hate each other, they love each other, they have sex, and then they're done. Like no no like, you know, wandering around and wondering if it's okay and ulterior motives and ulterior plot lines, like, you know. So you guys have a lot more perspective than I do, being much better read in this genre. Uh-huh. Why do they have to hate each other at the beginning? Why can't they, you know, like, they be friends, or maybe they are attracted to each other, but, like, it's a forbidden love? I mean, what uh-huh. happened? Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that, that does exist. Okay. If you want a but bad it's... boy, the best way to do that is to have a hate-to-love relationship. Yeah. That and when they interact with each other, they have to interact with each other a lot, and usually they don't like each other, and that makes for better conversations. But maybe sometimes it is that there's some other reason why they can't get together. And also, like, I mean, the hate-to-love tension that goes on, like, that's a very seductive tension. Um, I don't think so, because, like, I, I don't know, like, if I'm thinking about my own experiences of, like, People that I've really intensely disliked. I've never <laughs> hoped that we've ended up together, you know? You've and, never and had I... an anger boner? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I know, me neither. Like, I don't hate people and also are attracted to them. But also, it's like, but like, think of like, you know, Humphrey Bogart type movies where it's like, like that era era of like i hate him so much but i secretly love him and like that kind of drama you know there's also like tracing back to like i mean i feel like all romance novels are based on pride and prejudice on some level oh definitely yeah this was Um, yeah definitely yeah and mr darcy is the i hate you because of a common misunderstanding and once we fill it out figure it out then we actually love each other Mm mm-hmm you want that spark. You want that tension. And if you have to get that tension with hating each other, then that's 
That's just how it is. But, but I agree it's not realistic. Like it's, you can't. It's not realistic at all. Humans can't go from hate to love that quickly. And it's also fraught with issues as well. Like, um, you know, how how can you come back from that? Like, how can you come back from fucking some girl behind a door that she will understand? Like, there's not there's not a lot of things. It's just not going to happen. I just happen. feel like, I feel like, especially from his perspective, his, his his hatred and tension is just based on, like, how attractive he finds her and knowing that, like, you know, for various mm-hmm. reasons, like, it, it's not an option for him. So, mm-hmm. like, go go have an angry, you know, like, jerk off in the shower and get over it and get back <laughs> to being a high-level business professional. I mean. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. not. I mean, it's not the, like a core thing in good management is the ability to control your emotions. Yeah, and to compartmentalize your personal feelings in a professional environment. Yeah, he must be a <laughs> shitty boss. Well, we know he's a <laughs> shitty boss, but how did he get so powerful? Because his dad was in charge of the company. Yeah, yeah, but you still have to run it even after your dad steps out of the picture. <laughs> oh, also, I was expecting a scene where his um, his dad would take him aside and like really man to man explain to him about how like. You got to take a step back from the business and, you know, like work on yourself and your family. And mm-hmm. No, he's not going to do no. that. No. He, listen, his father has women to explain that for him. <laughs> he doesn't need to explain it because the wife will explain it. It's just also confusing to me because the implication is that like the reason his father stepped down was for his family, but his father also seems to like not be in his life in any way <laughs> for like one dinner. <laughs> So well, it's like it was like two hundred pages. Got, maybe his dad's got other families in other cities, and that's the family that he. Now, oh. now my life is all about family. The three different families that I have, especially the one in Cuba. <laughs> the woman's like, it's so great to be a sister wife. It's awesome. <laughs> I think though that um the whole the whole um hate to love thing. I mean, it is a good point that it it just doesn't make much sense. And yet we love it. It always <laughs> it always happens. In romance novels. Uh, in romance novels it's real important. It's real important. Cuz really like okay, so the reason why things Romance novels are not written like real life is because real life is boring. <laughs> well, it, it, real life takes a lot of time, and it's difficult to do like long, por- you know, amounts of time in a in a novel setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, if it was so. like two like well-adjusted people that like liked each other, and they were like, "I like you," and then the other person was like, "I like you too," and then they were together, then there what? There are plenty of other sources of tension <laughs> in a relationship. No, no, there aren't. Like maybe they like each other. But, you know, one of them is a time-traveling Civil War ghost, and the other one, you know, is an mm-hmm. Amazonian princess. Or one's a duke and one's a barmaid. Yeah, but they still like each other, just, like, there are reasons, mm-hmm. other reasons keeping them apart. Yeah. And that would be good. You just gotta think of a real good reason they are not apart. That also uh, that also allows them to be in the same room. So that they can or have like the witty time banter. Wife. I need witty banter, Matthew. That's yeah, witty like banter. The time traveler's wife. Like maybe you're like traveling through time randomly and occasionally you run into your wife when she's a little girl and it's weird. That is weird. It's weird. That is weird. Much to do about nothing. That's a hate to love story. Yeah, and it's fantastic. What are the it's fantastic <laughs> because they are two witty people who are trying to not, you know, trying to not. They're two well, witty about, people. 
The Taming of the Shrew. Eight to Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, oh, yeah, we were going to talk about... <laughs> did we talk about kidnapping enough for you, Alana? And yeah, how that's a yeah we all agreed thing? it was not... It's not okay. Oh. If I am well, ever I sick, <laughs> like, and a millionaire takes... Like, don't let a millionaire take my, my child to ballet. <laughs> that was, kid was surprisingly comfortable that, with that just, kid, like, this man yeah, waltzing into her life. That, and like you, to, you really did wonder about her life before this moment. She got daddy issues. Yeah. Also, didn't she come up with Scrooge McFuck? Did I read that right? She came up with Scrooge McDuck, and then I think Lucy was the one who perverted that oh. into McFuck, because I don't think five-year-olds are allowed to say fuck. Is she five? Yeah, she's five. It's awfully young. <laughs> Just imagine she's not five. Like, doesn't that change the story? Like, if she's like 25. <laughs> she's one of those overly precocious Daddy. Daddy. I, also, I would be a little bit worried if this was real life. I would be a little bit worried about that guy because he went from, I don't want to have like any kind of meaningful relationships ever to suddenly I want to be a father and also. Like, marry this girl that I hardly know. You know, like, that, the, it's like a zero to 100 thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he went through that change in a week. I imagine by New Year's, he's going to want 37 more kids. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, he's going to go back. Like, it's mo- mona- momentary. No, he's, he's vacationing. He's a tourist. Yeah. yeah. He's trying it out. He's like, do I want a daughter? Do I want a wife? Do I want to not spend the rest of my life working? And what if... Do I want to live at the North Pole? <laughs> also, like, who follows, like, their five-year-old came up with this idea, and then they were like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, they allowed that to happen. I mean, that's the point of being an adult, is telling your five-year-old that their dreams are stupid. <laughs> That's the joy of being an adult. <laughs> but your, your North Pole comment reminds me that um, it's absolutely outrageous that um, they go to the North Pole. Uh, she talks about how their neighbor, like her neighbor plows her driveway. And then like the next morning, there's three feet more of snow. Oh, that yeah. A world record amount of snowfall overnight. <laughs> yeah, that really pissed Matt up. Like he's like, I need you to know that that's not a real that's thing. That's not right. Do some research. A good amount of snow. <laughs> about snowfall. In a 24-hour period in the North Pole is maybe 18 inches. Did you do some research? I did. <laughs> I looked it up, and actually the, the record in Alaska for the most snowfall in a 24-hour period is more than three feet, but that is in a 24-hour period, and we're talking about overnight, so like a 12-hour period. But it was 73 inches was the 24-hour the world record in alaska <laughs> in florida the 24-hour world record for snowfall is four inches are you looking at something or are you just reciting it he's literally reciting it into my <laughs> eyes making eye that's what you can't this is see why we need you. Said earlier, uh, i've got good recall this is why Fairly. we need you matt because you're the expert witness and it's ridiculous <laughs> i mean it was all right it was just like you know with with novellas you're like get in get out and then yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. There wasn't, I mean, there was all sorts of things that, like, he doesn't even use his ring during the... Oh, yeah, he's got the ring and he doesn't use it. That's because it's fucking crazy for him it's to Christmas. give that to it her. Would, <laughs> it would fit into the trope of, you know, like, also, I have one more gift for you. <laughs> 
monster that would that would make a Hallmark movie. If only it wasn't called Scrooge McFuck, then it could be a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I don't think that's a... Very wholesome. Yeah, that's not really... I can't imagine that in the TV guide. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. The, the only thing that truly disappointed me was the fact that there was not very much fucking going on. Yeah, I agree. This should have been a, a dirtier novel. There's an illusion in my version on, on Kindle that says that she writes a dirtier series. Oh, let's read that. We haven't read <laughs> anything, like, really dirty, like erotica romance. That's true. We really haven't read any erotica in this in this uh, book club. <laughs> Maybe we should just... I don't know. We have to decide. Maybe, I don't know, readers, let us know um, if you want us to read something like Dinosaur Erotica or something. Oh, yeah. You know, you know. I was thinking maybe we should do Ch- Chuck Tingle. Is that his name? Yeah. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it is. He's yeah. the one that wrote the dinosaur romance and also the it's something called like I'm in love with my butt or something like that where <laughs> a disembodied butt fucks his butt or something like that (laughs) like it's like if i if i tell people about romance novels and if the guy like has been around reddit he usually is like oh like chuck tingle i'm like of all the people that's what you're excited about I, I will say that one of the things that, like, someone asked me at this meeting I was at was, like, oh, like, did you read Fifty Shades? That People always Ugh. ask me if I've read Fifty Shades, which I have not. I've read Twilight. You should read, read it. Maybe you'd like it. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. Because my standards are so low, Wendy. If you guys do read the dinosaur book, can you tell me if um, they do it in the cloaca? I mean, I'm just, that's what dinosaurs have is, you know, is a cloaca. Okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great recall. (laughs) Well, on that note, next month. (laughs) On the note of cloaca. Next month, we are reading um, A Princess in Theory, Reluctant Royals by Elisa Cole. And I'm just going to read a little bit about it. Between grad school and multiple jobs, La Nalita Smith doesn't have time for fairy tales or patience for the constant emails claiming she's betrothed to an, to an African prince. Sure, right, delete. As a former foster kid, she's learned that the only thing she can depend on herself and the scientific method. A silly email couldn't convince her otherwise. Prince Thabisco is the is the uh, heir to the throne of the Solo, shouldering the hopes of his parents and his people. On at the top of their list, his marriage. Ever dutiful, he tracks down his missing betrothed. When Nalita mistakes the prince for a pauper, Thabisco can't resist to experience life and love without the burden of his crown. The chemistry between them is instant, irresistible, and flirty friendship quickly evolves into passionate nights. When the truth is revealed, can a princess in theory become a princess ever after? (laughs) I'm really excited about this. And this is written, I think you said, by, um, it's an author of color. Yeah. Right? Alyssa Um, Cole. Alyssa I've been Cole, hearing a lot of a, good things about Alyssa Cole. Yeah, so. and yeah, Alyssa Cole, and it and it features two um, uh, black uh, protagonists. No, I um, think I think she's black and he's white. Maybe no, it, the cover they're both black. Oh, okay, never mind. So, because um, <laughs> he's an African prince, but maybe you know. I'm thinking about a different one. There's another one that's called something like he's a layered or something. <laughs> 
You know, you know I love them layers. You know, you know it. about all about them layers. All about them layers. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash s. 3EP1, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter at Librarian Alana. Thanks, Matt, for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind. <laughs> the Analana's podcast. Wendy Analana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!